What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Week 3 is in the books, and we're going to talk about what we learned. And I ain't wasting no time. We're hopping into it. Houston, Carolina, Brandon Cooks, my guy, all the way back to the Thursday night game. He's got a 37% target share on the season. And unlike Cooper Cup, if you remember me talking about his 38% target share last week's episode, unlike Cooper Cup, Brandon Cook's 37% target share is probably sustainable. It may truly be sustainable. Why? Because he's the only good offensive weapon in Houston. The only good offensive weapon. It's ridiculous. So Brandon Cooks is going to keep a huge target share. He's an absolute must play. It doesn't matter who's that quarterback. Davis Mills loves him just like Tyrod did. Another takeaway from that game, we already know this, but DJ Moore, he's a locked in wide receiver one, both on the field for the Panthers and for our fantasy football teams. He will be top 12, almost 100% confident in that. Robbie Anderson is done. He's got a 10% target share through the season. He was out-targeted by Terrace Marshall, a rookie wide receiver they drafted in the second round, who I like a lot. And I do think he's better than Robbie Anderson, or at least will be very soon. But he's been out-targeted by a second-round rookie wide receiver in two of the first three games. Rookie wide receivers, and rookies in general, usually take some time to start going to get going in an offense, and that is not the case here. Terrace Marshall's already outproducing Robbie Anderson, so he's done. You could drop him if you want to. Chuba, now Christian McCaffrey's out. It might be one week, might be two, maximum three weeks. Chuba's a decent fill-in, but guys, don't expect him to be as good as Christian McCaffrey, obviously, but not even as good as Mike Davis was last year. Chuba, to me, is somebody that's overrated. He's going to get maybe 65% of the touches that Christian McCaffrey would get, losing a lot in terms of receiving skills and receiving efficiency. And because Christian McCaffrey's not on the field and Chuba's replacing him, the offense as a whole is going to be worse, which means a lot less production, a lot less total opportunities for fantasy points, mainly in the touchdown column for Chuba. So I wouldn't be too excited to roll him out there. He's not going to be much better than your Miles Gaskin area of of running backs. Chase Edmonds, he's going to be more in that area of running backs for fantasy. Now let's talk about the Chargers-Kansas City game where Justin Herbert pulled out the win. Austin Eckler and Mike Williams are monsters. Absolute monsters. Mike Williams has become a must-play as well alongside Brandon Cooks. Guess what? Just sidebar, real quick, Brandon Cooks and Mike Williams were middle to late round wide receivers drafted this year, and it shows you why I am a proponent of heavy running back early. You might say, Brandon, Saquon's been bad, Dalvin Cook got hurt, Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Okay, 
and A.J. Brown got hurt. Calvin Ridley is a top drafted wide receiver who's massively underperforming. So is Allen Robinson. So is, oh man, what's the other big one? There's another big one out there who's massively underperforming right now. Robert Woods was like a fourth round pick, drafted before Cooper Cup, underperforming. So you can't just throw out the, oh, running backs get injured more. I think that's ridiculous. That's obnoxious. Guys, let's be fair on both sides, okay? Just because some running backs get hurt, maybe a little bit more often. If anything, that makes having really good running backs even more valuable. So you want to take more and maybe you'll lose one. Maybe you'll lose two. But if you took enough, you'll be fine. So anyways, without going on that tangent, because it just, it frustrates me to no end when people try to say, ah, see, you, you got to go zero RB because those running backs get hurt. Wide receivers are getting hurt too. Michael Thomas, another one. There's, there's another one who got hurt. I mean, we've got mad examples. Tyreek Hill, so far, mad underperforming. Like, let's, let's be fair. Keenan Allen is, is getting outperformed by Mike Williams. Keenan Allen was a top seven drafted wide receiver. Come on, guys. And, and like, I was on these guys too. But you know what's awesome? I was in on Calvin Ridley this year a lot. You guys know that. I was in on Keenan Allen. I was in, oh, Allen Robinson. That's the other one. I was in on Allen Robinson. I was in on A.J. Brown. But I have them on almost none of my redraft teams because I was grabbing Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, because I was grabbing those guys. So anyways, let's continue. Chargers, Kansas City, Mike Williams, must play. Him and Austin Eckler are monsters. Justin Herbert had a great day. Four touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire redeemed his recent bad play despite having a fumble in the game. Unlike Bruce Arians, Andy Reid went back to his talented runner and Clyde ran extremely well and he got the bulk of carries. Looked really good. Still no targets. Still super concerning. Schedule's not great either. Baltimore, Detroit. Lamar had a very bad game, but his game was good for fantasy football. Swift, and that's because of the rushing, DeAndre Swift is a must-play with his receiving role. So far through the season, DeAndre Swift, a running back, has a 19% target share. Your average stud-wide receiver in the league gets a 20% target share. He has the target share of a wide receiver, except he also gets carries. DeAndre Swift is a must-play regardless of matchup because of the targets. Jamal Williams, similar, just, you know, a junior version of DeAndre Swift, he can always be used in the flex. Because he's getting mad targets too. About like a, I didn't do the math, but if I had to guess, it's not that much worse off than DeAndre Swift. He's probably at a 14% target share, 13% target share, which is among the tops in the running back column. And he still gets some carries as well. So he can always be used in the flex. Buffalo, Washington. Josh Allen with five touchdowns and a beast game. It's hard not to look at Washington's defense and say, hey, Were we a little too high? Did we get a little too excited? Now, we're only three games in. Might not want to overreact. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are a great offense to go against. So, it's a tough matchup for them. So, we'll see what happens moving forward with Washington. But I don't think we have to be nearly as scared playing offensive players versus Washington as we initially thought we would have had to be before the season started. Emmanuel Sanders, he looks good enough, unfortunately, to hold off Gabriel Davis from taking the wide receiver three job this year. Cole Beasley is pretty consistent and getting a big target share 13 targets in this game he is a consistently slept on flex play he's gonna be that all season like pretty much every season antonio gibson 
was basically exactly what I said. If you guys remember, I said, Antonio Gibson, manage your expectations, sit him if you can. And I said, he's going to have a very rough game unless he breaks a chunk play for a whole bunch of yardage and a touchdown. Because when you sit a talented guy, that's the risk you're taking. And what did he do? He had a horrible fantasy day outside of one chunk play for a bunch of yardage and a touchdown. You take out that one play, that one reception, which was really nice, and I love the talent Antonio Gibson has. You take out that one play, Antonio Gibson finishes the day with 3.1 fantasy points. He had almost, uh, what, almost 20 fantasy points? 17 of that was from one play. Or like 15 of that was from one play. Because it was like 70 yards, which is 7 points. A touchdown, which is 6 points. And a reception, which is 1 point. So that's 14 points right there from one play. So basically, <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was funny because he did exactly what I thought. He wasn't terrible if you started him. And he wasn't. He didn't hurt you really too badly if you sat him. Unless you had somebody get like 1 or 2 points in his stead. Then we've got Cincy. And by the way, for Gibson, that makes him... It depends. If somebody looks at it and sees, hey, they recognize that all those points are from one play, they're going to be trying to sell him high, right? Well, it's not really a sell high if they understand that and you understand that and you try to buy him because I'm sure they're going to figure out how to use him and use him better and give him more receiving work, especially after such a great play like that moving forward. So I'm kind of iffy on whether he's a buy high or I mean a buy low or a sell high. So right now I'm just staying pat with Gibson. Let's see what happens moving forward. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Whoo! Oh, yes. Perfect. Beautiful. Najee Harris, exactly what I wanted. He has secured the Le'Veon Bell receiving workload I projected. Brandon, Brandon, wait, wait. Juju got hurt in the first quarter and Deontay Johnson wasn't playing. I know, guys. I know. Najee Harris is not going to get 19 targets, which is what he got, by the way, if you didn't see that. But he is going to get five to seven targets every single game and four to five with upside of eight nine receptions every single game and this is kind of what I was projecting for him because the Steelers when they had Le'Veon Bell threw the ball to Le'Veon Bell 19% of the time he had a 19% target share not the running back position Le'Veon Bell all by himself and Najee Harris was either him or Kenny Gainwell was the best receiving running back in this rookie class Najee Harris to me, my player comparison for him before he was even drafted by the Steelers was Le'Veon Bell. And then the team that drafted Le'Veon Bell drafted Najee Harris. And I was like, this is a perfect fit. This is awesome. He's going to get a huge workload. He's going to get a target share. All that stuff. It's coming to fruition. I love it. And we, we, we've got a stud on our hands. We really do. He's not. He might not be top three, top five, because the offense is horrible. Absolutely horrible. But he's got the workload and he's got the receiving role now locked in that he's going to be a must-start RB1 every single week. Sometimes he's going to have RB2 performances, as every RB1 does, but he will finish inside the top 12. I think we've pretty much confirmed that now. The Bengals, on the other hand, they dominated this game. What did that lead to? Joe Burrow throwing the ball 18 times only. Ah! Ah! That's crazy. And... Next week versus the Jags, our Thursday night game, the Jags suck. And the Bengals are looking better than I would have pre predicted. And they were, now TJ Watt was out, yes, but they were able to keep Joe Burrow upright and not get sacked the entire game with that trash offensive line. 
Maybe they're starting to figure out how to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. How to work the offense around the offensive line. Now, the offensive line is still a huge need and a huge worry moving forward for the rest of the season, but that was promising, I will say. And the Bengals are probably going to dominate. This is moving a little bit more into the future, but the Bengals are probably going to dominate the Jags on Thursday. So you're going to have another low pass volume game for Joe Burrow. And that that's going to mean that Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, we'll see if T. Higgins plays on a short week after missing this past week. Probably won't. They don't need him to play. They're playing the Jaguars. So, I mean, that's... Uh, I don't want to jinx them because they're the Bengals and... You know, I have there's they got a lot of players I root for. I don't want to jinx them, but this is pretty much you write the dub in the win column. Or I mean you write the win in the the win-loss column. So looks good for Cincy. That means it's gonna to be tough to play Jamar Chase. It's gonna to be tough to play Tyler Boyd because they might get touchdowns and the offense might be rolling, but it might be more Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon is probably gonna be one of my most used players in DFS and one of my favorite starts of the week. Once we, once we go over that, because they're going to just control the clock. Joe Burrow's not going to have to pass much. They're going to keep him healthy, keep him upright, and just run the ball down the Jaguar, Jaguars' throats. So just keep that in mind. But after that, you might have some nice bylaws here on this team with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Maybe Chase won't be because all the hype of him being a rookie and having four touchdowns in three games. Honestly, Jamar Chase might be a sell high because if it turns out that the Bengals are going to be a lower passing volume offense. Somehow they're able to keep this up even when they play against really good offenses, which they haven't really done yet. If that ends up being the case, then there's going to be regression for Jamar Chase and his target share is not that high. It's definitely not high enough for a low volume pass offense to be doing as good as he has so far. So he might be a buy, uh, sell high. Tyler Boyd, we'll see what happens. But you guys know I love Boyd. And honestly... I wouldn't sell Chase yet because I want to see when the Bengals play a team that has a great offense, I want to see how much they throw the ball because that's the key. If they start having to throw the ball in game scripts where the other team has a great offense and is putting up points and the Bengals are behind, then we're locked and loaded. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, you're going to start them all every week in those games. So anyways, let's move on to New Orleans, New England. This game, as you guys know, because of my betting line, did not go as I expected at all. But Alvin Kamara did get really good usage, pretty much all carries. And what do you know? Marquez Callaway, I told you guys, buy low on him. He let in targets. I said, don't drop him. He had 14 points. And somebody did drop him in my league. And I'm not going to give out how much fab I'm dropping on the player because they probably are listening to the podcast. At least a couple people in my league do. I know that. So I'm not going to say how much fab, but I would put a decent dime out on Marquez if somebody dropped him already, whether you're in redraft or dynasty. Hopefully, you guys didn't have somebody drop him in dynasty. Mine, it was a work league. It's a little shorter bench and stuff like that, so I understand, but I wouldn't have dropped him. Anyways, also in that game, Damian Harris, he had a really bad day, and to me, it's clear that he's going to get the work of the running back room, but he's kind of game script dependent. If you're looking at a game where the Patriots are not going to be winning and they're not going to have an easy time, you know, controlling the clock and defending the other team's offense, Damian Harris might be somebody you want to look away from. Now, the Saints do have a good run defense and they were up, so it's like a double dagger right there, two-edged sword that just completely kills Damian Harris's day. But 
if you're looking at a team that, you know, maybe they don't have a great run defense, but they're able to just put up huge points and they're able to score and outpace the Patriots offense because Mac Jones is still rookie and he's struggling a little bit right now, then Damian Harris is going to get game scripted out because James White is the receiving back. And actually he did get hurt, but J.J. Taylor is probably the next one up, not Damian Harris. Then we've got Arizona versus Jacksonville. Started out super rough, super rough. Still ended up covering there. I didn't think I was going to after it was like 14-0 Jacksonville lead. But Rondell Moore, don't freak out. I still think he's going to be the wide receiver too over the course of the season for the Cardinals. Just a rough game. Hopefully a bump in the road. We'll see what happens. He only had two points. Their Arizona offense in general kind of disappointed. But the weapons in this offense are good enough that you got to recognize that with Rondell Moore. The weapons are good enough all around that he's going to have some bad games. The only person that you can truly rely on outside of Kyler Murray in this offense is obviously DeAndre Hopkins. So this is a reason why I didn't suggest blowing half of your fab on Rondell Moore as somebody argued with me for like an hour on Twitter and was trying to say that I'm dumb for not spending half my fab on a guy like Rondell Moore. But you got to recognize that one, he's a rookie. Two, he's only been doing good for a couple games. And three, there's plenty of places to go in that offense and they haven't really played against good defenses yet. So there's a lot of things to you know, a lot of red flags or cautionary symbols when it came to picking up Rondell Moore and dropping a whole bunch of money on him. Now, you guys know I like him. I just said I think he's going to be the wide receiver two over the course of the season. But it just goes to show that, you know, you don't have to freak out just because somebody good pops up on the waiver. So, you know, you don't have to blow all your fab. The only time I would really blow a whole bunch of fab is, for example, when Christian McCaffrey last year went out and we knew it was going to be for a long time and Mike Davis was there. That was a good example. Chuba Hubbard, as much as I don't really like the guy compared to others, if this was a serious Christian McCaffrey injury, then I would say, yeah, that's what you saved your fab for, get Chuba Hubbard. You know, stuff like that. So anyways, basically running backs, not wide receivers. James Robinson, the last takeaway from this game, he got used like last year. He had six receptions. He had 25 points, the bulk of the carries. If this is the type of usage he's getting, I'm super excited for it. Tennessee versus Indy. Tannehill bounces back even without A.J. Brown. He had 23.5 points without A.J. Brown, so that's nice. And not only without A.J., but Julio underwhelmed and only had four targets. Now, Julio was fine, but only four targets to Julio, and A.J. Brown's not in the game, and Tannehill put up almost 25 points? That's that's nice, and I I hope you didn't freak out. I hope you held him. I'm not surprised. I was kind of saying that it was probably going to take some time because new offense. Now, I definitely am still a little bit worried that Arthur Smith leaving is going to negatively impact the offense and negatively impact Ryan Tannehill, but this game definitely is giving me hope. And then we've got Michael Pittman. He got 12 targets. He had 12 targets the last week. That's two double-digit target games in a row. He's the go-to there. He is basically the Brandon Cooks for the Colts, not in terms of how he's used or anything just in terms of he's like the only truly good option at this point because I mean the other options in India are kind of washed at this point so Michael Pittman you pretty much have to start him every week as well then we've got Cleveland versus Chicago Odell looked pretty good Kareem Hunt tripled Nick Chubb's day Kareem Hunt had 27 points Chubb had about a third of that and you have to be able to accept that if you own Nick Chubb 
because he does make up for it from week to week. He'll make up for it. He has 20-point games pretty often. Justin Fields, he got sacked nine times. Very, very bad, rough first game, but I'm not going to freak out from his bad day. Allen Robinson, however, he's starting to concern me, and I'm starting to freak out about him because he's not dominating the targets like I expected three weeks in, and the Bears are not looking too great in terms of their passing offense. So I think their offense can be good with Fields if they start letting him run, which they didn't really give him any opportunities to do, But and also the Cleveland D-line didn't give him many opportunities to do. But even if Fields gets running, yeah, the touchdown upside goes up for guys, but there's not going to be a whole bunch of targets. And A-Rob's getting older, and he's not doing as much after the catch anymore. Then we've got Atlanta versus New York. Kyle Pitts had zero targets through the first half. And he had three total on a day where Matt Ryan threw the ball 36 times. That's less than a 10% target share. That's bad. That's really bad. Now, I'm not freaking out. It was just a disappointing day. That's all I'm saying. See, you got to sometimes be able to pick and choose when somebody has a really good day, when somebody has a bad day. It's not just, oh, wow, let's talk about this. And all right, that's awesome moving forward. Or that's really bad moving forward. You, you got to be able to pick and choose when you're buying into something being something that's going to continue and something that's just a, an outlier. And I don't think that this is something that's going to continue. I think Kyle Pitts is going to get more involved. Saquon, he had his first touchdown since 2019. He's back in business, 20-plus points. Looks back to his old self, a little more explosive, a little more twitchy. He's probably the top 12 running back locked in rest of the way. Him and Najah Harris had great weeks that I am buying into as projecting for the future. Then we've got the Tampa Los Angeles game. You guys know I'm a Tampa fan, but I'm honestly, I'm not surprised by the score and I'm not too hurt about it because I think we're going to see this team again. And now we've got a chip on our shoulder and now we're not going to play around if we play them in the playoffs because they already handed it to us. So I kind of actually felt like they were going to beat us in the first place because as you guys heard when I said start Stafford, start Woods, start Cup, and Woods ended up kind of not really being a, a good call there. But Stafford and Cup, definitely. Stafford had the most touchdowns in a game this season so far, and Cooper Cup just continues to ball out. Why did I... I think the Rams would probably beat us because, one, we have a whole bunch of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Also, Antonio Brown was out. And the strength of the Rams' offense matches up perfectly with the weakness of the Bucks' cur- current defense with all the injuries. So that's why I figured that would probably be the result. But you got to look at that moving forward now. Tampa secondary is so depleted that they are a very good matchup for wide receivers. And now Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting's already hurt. Jamel Dean is now hurt. And we've got some safeties that are hurt. We sh- So you just got to keep that in mind. All right, we should look for wide receivers to be in our lineups versus my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We also shouldn't be looking at the Tampa Bay running backs as possible starts any week. They're going to be very similar to Buffalo and Baltimore now. Baltimore now that, you know, J.K. Dobbins is out and Gus Edwards is out and they have this just turntable of running backs, mainly all old guys except for Tyson. But Geo is the big contributing factor for that. Why you can't really look for Fournette or Ronald Jones in starts anymore because Geo, it seems like he's fully starting to take over that receiving role and that's a contributing factor to not being able to play these Bucks running backs at all anymore. Cooper Cup, he continues his dominance, as I said. Robert Woods seems to be in the same bag, unfortunately, as Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson. So he might not, might not, I'm trying not to overreact, but he might not be anything more than a weekly flex guy. 
So hopefully I'm wrong on that, and hopefully he starts picking up. But we're going to have to see. Keep your eyes out. And he's no longer somebody I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, start him. Oh, yeah, start him. Matt Stafford, he's pacing right now for a 62-touchdown season. And your boy had him ranked the highest out of all experts. Let's go. I, I saw this season coming. I saw this season coming for Stafford. I have him, I believe, in my projections. Ooh, I could pull him up right now and just keep talking and keep it going. Waste time. So I'm going to do that. So obviously, Goff was able to do some type of damage with with Sean McVay. And I'm doing this as I'm pulling up the stats, you know, multitasker. And if Goff was able to do anything good with McVay, and Matt Stafford was in a much worse situation with the Lions, and now he's taking over the situation that is better than anything he's ever been in, including weapons, coaching, scheme, all of that stuff, why would Stafford not be immensely better? Everyone was sleeping on him. And Matt Stafford, I had projected for the third most passing touchdowns this year, and the second most, no, sorry, third most passing yardage this year. So I had him third in overall passing touchdowns and passing yardage this year, and he was my quarterback six overall, and people gave me a hard time, and I had him higher ranked than any other expert, at least that I that I saw on Fantasy Pros and stuff, so I, I gotta, I gotta, you know, gloat, gloat a little bit, just a little bit. You gotta, you gotta be able to enjoy the wins, right? So Stafford, love it. Anyways, Miami, Las Vegas Raiders, Henry Ruggs is still over Brian Edwards. It's confirmed to me again. For some reason, Brian Edwards is not getting involved until the very end of games. Not sure why, but they're also starting, as I said, to use Henry Ruggs better, and that's something to look forward to. Henry Ruggs is not just a deep speed guy. He had some. He had a really nice sideline catch, which you guys should look where he high pointed it, tapped his feet in bounds. This is the kind of stuff that I ex- I expected from Ruggs as a prospect coming into the NFL. I assumed a team was obviously going to draft him in the first round because of the speed and raw ability. Plus, I didn't think he was as bad of a route runner as everybody else thought. I'm not saying he was a good route runner, but his speed also made his and his agility and quickness and uh, change of direction, his cod, that's change of direction, was very much enabled and helped by his athleticism. But that helped contribute to his routes being like super open all the time. But anyways, Henry Ruggs is being used well. So I'm happy I held him in most of the dynasty leagues that I had. I bought him low in a couple places. And I've been trying to point to him as a possible sleeper over this offseason for redraft as well. Jalen Waddle on the other side of the ball. He's still the clear wide receiver one even with Will Fuller back. Now I know it's only week one. Maybe Will Fuller will have a couple games where he gets the most targets. But over the course of the season, from now till the finish, Waddle will be the highest scoring Miami Dolphin wide receiver. And just when you thought the Raiders might be good, we I literally talked about this, and I still chose them as one of my betting lines. I don't know why. I literally was talking about how the Raiders, just when you think they're good, let you down and lose to a team that's not good at all. And I said there's no way that they don't beat the Ra- uh, the Dolphins with Jacoby Brissett by four and a half points. If with how they've been playing. And what happens? They go into freaking overtime. Are you serious? Are you serious? Come on. I don't know what to think about the Raiders. I like their offense, but I just, as a whole, I don't know whether to buy in or not. It's very hard to make a decision like that. Seattle, Minnesota. 
Alexander Madison finally produced well, and Dalvin Cook steady at 23 points. Adam Thielen keeps his touchdown streak. Not surprised. Kirk Cousins, he's a consistent quarterback. If you're somebody that's like, ah, man, whatever quarterback I drafted is disappointing and I need somebody, Kirk Cousins is going to be consistent for you. 22 points, 25 points, 24 points. He's like a Tom Brady Jr. Because Tom Brady's like 27, 30, 29. Kirk Cousins is consistent as well, all within the same range every single week, just a little bit less. Tyler Lockett and Russ, both disappointed in this game because it was a nice matchup, bad secondary, and they just didn't pull through. The Jets versus Denver. The Jets are an absolute dumpster fire. Corey Davis is the only guy to play right now, and that's only if a team has no good cornerbacks. You can't be thrown out Corey Davis versus the Rams when they have Jalen Ramsey or versus Buffalo when they have Tredavious White. You can't be thrown out the Rams, or I mean, the did I say Rams like three times? You can't be throwing out Corey Davis with the Jets Versus a team with a really good corner. Now, if there's not a good corner, then Corey Davis is the only Jet that I would play. The only Jet I would ever play. So, stay away from all the rest. And it's just because of his target share. Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon combined for almost 30 points. Kind of what I was hoping for last week. Kind of expected it this week. At least it came through this week. right? And Javonta Williams was looking really good. Unfortunately, he had a fumble. I think that kind of led to Melvin Gordon starting to take more carries that's why he ended with more carries on the day but I'm still super excited for Javonta and I do think he's taking over that role I think just that fumble kind of made them say all right you know what we're gonna go to Gordon Dallas versus Philly the Monday night game not too many takeaways for me Jalen Hurts looked pretty bad as a passer and they didn't let him run much Zeke however he had a great day and you gotta sell him high because he's still in a heavy running back by committee Tony Pollard got almost as much touches as Zeke Zeke just got the touchdowns. This is your opportunity. And this was versus a very good run defense. This is your opportunity to sell to sell Ezekiel Elliott. With that said, that pretty much wraps up. Look at that. Just on 30 minutes, almost exactly again. That wraps up my takeaways from week three. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you liked it. Uh, I was feeling kind of excited, you know, a, a little hyped up during the podcast if you couldn't tell. With that said, I will be dropping, obviously, a podcast episode for the future on week three, who to start, or I mean week four, who to start, who to sit, what my my lines are, all that stuff. With that said, have a good one, guys, and uh, good luck to you. Peace.